Psalm 61, verse 1. It's the Psalm of David. It says, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the, in the covert of thy wings. Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever, O prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. What drew me to this psalm is I was getting things together, and I'll be honest, I had a completely different message in mind Thursday and Friday. I was kind of studying on, and uh, after waking up Saturday morning and seeing the news, I just, like God said, that's, that's not the direction I need to go anymore. It's not the way my heart wanted to go either. But I, what drew me to this is I thought, boy, all this craziness, I, I need a rock. And so I was, I was studying about the rock here in the book of Psalms. And in, in that phrase in verse 2, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That's what drew me, and I just could not get away. And it took me a few hours of reading into this psalm to really kind of get it to work uh, is, and, and draw out a sermon from it. But I just could not get away from it. But that's how I came to it. And I tell you, I'm so glad there is a rock. I'm so glad that there's someone who can lift me up on it. A rock, like a a monolith, like a mountain. Think of a, a high mountain ledge up there. It's, it's permanent. It seemingly endures forever. Yesterday we reminded how passing the things of this world truly are. As I was reading on Facebook the wonderful stories of Sid and Joan Hawkins. They, they posted something about meeting there at the college and some wonderful memories and all the folks that supported and benefited from the historical society. And, you know, in our mind, the building 130 years old seemed like it should have been like the Roman Colosseum. It seemed like it's always been there. Seems like it always would have been. And I'll tell you, my heart was telling me I ought to preach a funeral sermon for, for a building this morning. I, I don't plan on it, but I tell you, my heart was hurt. My heart was troubled. And I was looking for a rock, and I could not get away from this psalm. I needed a rock to lean on that wasn't going to give, a rock to stand on that would never crumble, a rock to place me above the tempests of this world. And I'm so glad there's a rock of ages cleft for me. I'm glad there's a shelter in the time of storm. I'm glad that there's a rock that is greater than mere stone. I thought of the words of an old gospel song. It's not as old as I thought it was, only 1940s, but this rock is Jesus. Yes, He's the one. This rock is Jesus, the only one. Be very sure, be very sure, your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. If you want to do a little homework, just search for the word rock and go through the book of Psalms. Most of the time, there's a few exceptions, but most of the time, it says rock. It's talking about God. It is some pretty good stuff. Psalm 18.2, the, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer. Psalm 31.3, For thou art my rock and my fortress. Psalm 62.2, He only is my rock and my salvation. Same phrase as in verse 6. Verse 7, The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Psalm 92.15, He is my rock. There is no unrighteousness in Him. 
Psalm 94.22, my God is the rock of my refuge. Psalm 95.1 says, the rock of our salvation. It's a wonderful, and I've cut out some that were repetitious and things. It's a wonderful study. But here in verse here in Psalm 61, it's a little bit different take because most of those, it's God who is the rock. Here it says it's a rock that's higher than I. It's a little different. I, I picture here a mountain ledge, a cliff way up high, a safe place away from the enemies of storms, a sacred place near to God. If you were to go back to Exodus 33, there's an amazing little passage of Scripture there where Moses begs God, says, I want to see your glory. And he got to see just a mere glimpse of God's glory. And you know where that took place? It was on a rock. Exodus 33, 21, And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me thou shalt stand upon a rock. Over there at Sinai, and so he went up in this place, and God passed by. He got to see just the back end. Just got to see a glimpse of God. God said, you can't see my face. No man can see my face and live. But you'll just get a glimpse of my glory. And it was there while he was on a rock, a higher plane, if you will, of faith and glory. A place too few strive to see. The theme of this Psalm 61, though, it drew me to it talking about the rock, but the theme of this Psalm is prayer. And it actually kicks off, there's, there's method to the organization of Psalms. We've been talking about that. There's eight Psalms starting right here going forward that have a, a common theme. J. Vernon McGee describes it as the cry and the confidence of the godly. It's talking about prayer. This psalm splits into two different sections. The first four verses, the second four verses. And it's a wonderful... Um, I almost thought about bringing up here a, 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 a pair of scissors. You ever done that where you fold the paper in half like that and then you cut out half a person and then you unfold it and you have the whole person? You ever done that? You know, when you're, maybe when you were little and you were bored uh, or snowflakes and things like that, but you just cut half of it? I kind of think of that, and I'll explain that a little bit as we go on here. But, it, but we see two halves to this psalm. Verse 1, David begs God to hear him. He says, hear my cry. In verse 5, in the second half, he says, Thou hast heard my voice. You heard my prayer. You heard my vows. In verse 4, he's, there's a desire. It ends that first section. He says, I want to dwell with God forever. And then in verse 7, it says, the king abides by God forever. In verse 8, David's going to sing praises to God forever. There's a mirror to this, these two psalms. Uh, that's how this structure this is. It's an amazing thing if you look at these. Take those two verses, these four verses, take the other four verses, and it's like two halves of the whole. And thematically, they, uh, they work together. And what I was thinking about when you talk about the, the imagery of cutting, it's like the first part, I think, is, is kind of like we see one side of it, and that's our side, what we're going to do. And I think that's the first four verses, is David's like he's cutting his side, saying, okay, God, I'm going to pray, and he's cutting out. But then when he unfolds it, you see the other half, and that's what God did. The first part kind of sets up the second. We'll dig into this. The first, four, the first section here, the first four verses. This is the ascent to the higher place of prayer. It focuses on what we ought to do. It's like we're cutting out that shape, and then we're going to see the second half, and that's the other part. That's the part God did. 
So, but the first four things, I got six things we're going to draw out of a total out of the psalm, three from each half. But first off, I want you to see the prayer. In verse one, hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Verse one is that desire we have that God would hear our prayers, that he would answer our prayer. It's not just about us speaking but about God answering our prayers. It's desire that our prayers be powerful, that they be effective, that we're not just going through the motions, we're not just repeating, and now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my... We're not just going through the motions, but that when we pray to God, He is moving His mighty hand in response to it. But here's the thing, all we can do is pray. <laughs> I can't make God, I can't command God. I just pray and He takes care of the rest. It's in His hands at that point. So I think this really is focusing the first four verses on what we do. Verse 2, to be honest, I, it took me a while. I had to really dig into this one a little deeper than I, I typically do. The first section of the verse here describes a situation. And this is there's a confusion on this. I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna take a stance, and it's against some other commentaries I read on this. I don't think David is saying I am in the ends of the earth, and and, and I am overwhelmed. I don't think it's a it's a statement of fact. The verb there that's being used that will I cry is, and some of you English people can correct me if I'm wrong on this later. Okay. It's good preachers don't correct me yet, okay? <laughs> but it's an imperfect verb. And we, don't, we talk about past prayers, but it's imperfect. And what imperfect, it, it means it's unresolved. A perfect verb means it happened, it's kind of complete, it's finished. But an imperfect has an idea of that it's, it's still kind of going. It's especially evident in Hebrew. It may not work very well in English, but in Hebrew, it's, it's, it's not saying this did happen. It's not even necessarily saying it is going to concretely happen, but it's like saying it may happen. Or, it, by the way, it will happen. Don't we all go through hard times? Don't we all get to a place where we feel like, my goodness, I'm so far from God. I'm like at the ends of the earth. I'm on the complete other side of the globe from where, where God is. I think that's what he's talking about. He's not saying my heart is overwhelmed. I think he's saying one of these days my heart is going to be overwhelmed. I think that's what he is saying here in this. The tense is, I'm getting very technical on this, I know. You can check me if I'm wrong on all this. But I think that's what he is saying is this is a faith. He's saying when I am overwhelmed, I'm going to call on you. When I am far away from you, I'm going to call on you. And when I do, I know in faith that you're going to react and you're going to pull me up to that rock. You're going to pull me up to a place of safety, a place of blessing. It's an anticipated future where one day we may be alone, scared, overwhelmed. And in that time, God reaches, uh, or He hears our cry for help. He reaches His mighty arm down through the storms. He plucks us out of our distress and places us on that high ledge next to Him. Wish we had faith like that to say, my goodness, God, one of these days I'm going to be in bad shape. And in that day, I'm already going to make up my mind. I'm going to call on you. And guess what? No, I'm not going to call on you. I've got faith you're going to answer that. A lot of faith in this verse. 
It's like praying for rain, in a sense. It's like praying for rain and carrying around an umbrella because you know it's going to rain, even though there's not a cloud in the sky. You know, think about it, we pray for rain. Nobody ever carries around an umbrella. Do we really believe it? But there's a lot of faith in this. He's expecting God's going to answer his his his, his cry. So that's the prayer. By the way, where does he get this confidence from? That's the second thing you see is the past in verse 3. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower for my enemy. He says, okay, I'm looking forward to the future where you're going to help me out of some troubles because we're all going to have them. But he said, how do I know that? Because in the past you have already helped me. In the past you've already done it. We can trust in God's promises that he will aid us. God said he will. You can trust in the God's person, who he is is he is good he is loving he is active you can just trust in the theology of who god is that he will answer but you can also trust in god's past performances all the times he's moved before it just gives us proof he can do it again watching baseball game last night boy it was fun trey turner hitting that grand slam uh in that uh, usa versus venezuela game i was excited man. That, was, that was a big moment but I think of all those times in clutch games, like watching the Rangers, and you, typically the Rangers are down by a run, it's bottom of the ninth, like that, this is over. <laughs> you can go ahead and go to see. But sometimes, boy, somebody gets up and you're like, that guy, he's clutch. That guy will come through. He's done it before. And you think, man, that, something might happen here. There's other guys that get up, like, this game's over. <laughs> There's no way. Well, it's all based on past performance. I don't trust this guy based on what he did. Or I do trust this guy because he's got those game winning hits before. Well, let me tell you something. You look at God's track record, you look at who he did, you ought to give you confidence that he can and he will move in the future. Every Christian ought to be able to testify of God's goodness to them in the past. By the way, that's part of the reason I like history so much. I like reading the stories of old because it gives me confidence going forward. Because I look back and say, hey, look what God did there. He can still do that. Look how God used that crazy guy. He can use this crazy guy. I, I, it gives me confidence in seeing what God did in the past. Moving on. The third thing you see in verse 4 is the place. It says, I will abide. And this is a desire. I will abide in the tabernacle forever. I will trust in the cover of thy wings. It's a desire, an expectation that God's going to answer our prayer. He's going to deliver us from evil. He's going to draw us close to his side. It's a desire to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. From Psalm 23. It's the assurance that he will protect us like a mother hen gathers in her chicks under her wings. Isn't that a beautiful picture of that mama hen gathering her little baby chicks and getting them all in where they're safe and cuddly and warm? It's a place on the rock that is higher than I that's next to the rock of ages. I've kept thinking of old hymns and things. Song says, There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. A place where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. O oh, Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who wait before thee near to the heart of God. I think that's what he's talking about. I want to draw near to be in that place. And by the way, our hearts ought to long to be there. That's where we ought to be. So that's part of where we want to be in heaven. We want to be with our God, with our Savior. But don't we want him alongside of us in this world? Don't we want to be close to him? Don't we want to draw nigh to him? This ought to be our heart's desire. The second section is the last four verses. and I'm going to call this the activity of the higher plane. 
the activity of the higher plane. I was having fun alliterating, okay? So that gives another A word. And this section is largely what God is doing in response to the actions in the first part. So the fourth thing I want to point out to you here is the promises. It says, For thou, O God, hast heard my vows, thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. David is giving something to God, and God is giving, has given something to David. There's kind of a transaction almost that's, that's taking place here. See, God had given David the immeasurable blessing of all the things that come to his saints. That's the heritage of those that fear the name of God. Uh, it's, it, it's not the land of Canaan. It's not material blessings. It's not riches. It's not his throne. This is just the blessing of being a child of God. God's given that to him, so David responds with a vow. You don't hear this word very often other than uh, weddings, I suppose. But uh, God, David responds with a vow. He's promising to do something for God or to give something to God. Now, listen, I know we're not under the Old Testament system, and I don't have time, and I didn't get all the notes together anyway, because I knew I wouldn't have time to talk about vows in the Jewish system. But there is something here for us, I think, just thinking about the subject of prayer, thinking about our lives. You know, God has given us everything. <laughs> our hearts beat because he gives us that next beat. Our breaths come because he gives us that next breath. Whatever we have in this life, it's just a loan from him. It's all his. What do we give back to him? And I got to think about it. I was like, boy, when's the last time I prayed? And I said, you know, God, we do a lot, a whole lot of this. God, give me this. God, do this. God, when's the last time I said, God, I'll do this? When's the last time I did something for him? We say, Lord, this, we say, but we rarely play, Lord, ha have this. Lord, take this. The drops of grief can never repay the debt of love I owe here. Lord, I give myself away. Is all that I can do. I'm not saying you have to prime the pump like, oh, I got to give something to God to get. You got to give to get. You know, it's like business model. You got to you got to invest something to get something back. It's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm saying I think we'd be so much better if we would learn to worship Him in giving back a portion of the blessings He gives back to us. Whether that's tithes, that's offering, that's our own person. Isaiah six, God, he saw he saw God all lifted up high and mighty. And his Glory. That's it. We need somebody to go, and Isaiah says, Here am I, send me. When's the last time we gave something back to him, or we just takers in prayer? All we pray is for what we want. Also, I think we're pretty selfish a lot of times in our prayer. What are we giving to him in return? Number five is the profession. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. Now, there's debate on when this psalm was written. A lot of people think, and because they, that verse 2, they think he's saying, I'm in the ends of the earth and I'm in trouble. They think that maybe he wrote this when he was on the run from Absalom. 
I'm going to take a different route, and, and Reese's Chronological Bible has this, and I kind of agree with him. He says this is when David was first made king. And I kind of catch that in here. I think David is looking for just a longing for who he wants to be. And as he is, he's, he's talking about himself here. It's kind of strange. But you'll notice he's not asking anything for him personally. I like it. He's not saying me. He's saying the king. And when he is praying here, he's, he's asking God's blessing on the work he has to do. He's asking God, help me to be a good... Oh, what happened to Solomon? God appeared to Solomon and said, Solomon, what do you want? He said, give me wisdom that I, I could rule the people. And God said, well, since you didn't ask for riches and glory and honor, I'm going to give you... No, by the way, I'm also going to give you the riches and glory and honor too. But, but he said, you, asked, you, you answered the right way because you wanted wisdom to be a good king. I think David right here is kind of along the same thing. He's saying, God, help me to do the work I have to do. I don't think this is selfish. In fact, I think it's rather selfless when you think about it. Because he's saying, God, I can't do this. I need your help. I think that David here is praying for strength to follow what God had laid down. By the way, did you know Saul, you know, so Saul was the first king of Israel, yes, and there actually was a guy in Judges that tried to be a king before that. But did you know back in the Mosaic Law, it actually is set up for when there is a king and it tells them what they're supposed to do? It's in Deuteronomy 17. God, about 400-something years before Saul was ever crowned, the first true king of Israel, God told them, this is what a king should be. In Psalm 17, or Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 20. I'm not going to turn there for the sake of time, but amazing passage. And there's five things that the king is supposed to do. He's not, or, well, or supposed to be. One, he's got to be an Israelite. He cannot be an outsider. He has to be an Israelite to be the king. Two, he's not supposed to multiply horses to himself. Horses were for war. Basically saying, don't build up a big military. <clears throat> Solomon did that. He's not supposed to multiply wives to himself. <clears throat> Solomon did that too. <clears throat> Solomon broke a lot of these. Uh, but, uh, but have these wives, and this, this is allegiances. This is building up your own family, your own name, and all that kind of stuff. And David, David's guilty of this one too. This is not to multiply gold to himself. <clears throat> Solomon did that too. But you're not supposed to focus. You're not supposed to focus on war, women, or wealth. Look at that. Alliterated. You like that? All W. I saw that right now. But the, what's interesting is the last part of that passage. He says they're supposed to have the, the king is supposed to have his own copy of the law of the Mosaic law that he's supposed to study. He's supposed to know the Bible. He's supposed to study it so he can live up to it. That he can follow it. And I think what David's doing here is he's looking at what he has to do as a king. He's looking at the task ahead of him, and he knows what God expects of him. And by the way, I think he's been reading his word or hearing the word taught to him, and he knows this kind of stuff. And what he is doing here is he's praying, God, help me to be what I need to be. If only we have the same outlook. Instead of making ourselves strong in the flesh, we should be asking God for his strength. We need to learn that whatever the responsibility we may have, <laughs> we can't do it. I've learned a lot of things. I mess things up when I get involved sometimes. A lot of times. 
But here's the thing. I know whatever God gets in the middle of works. I can't do it. He can. He can. When we confess, I can't pastor. He can, though. The minute I start pastoring, we're in trouble. <laughs> the minute I start trusting in me, we're in trouble. I got to what? By the way, family, I can't, I can't be a good father. He can, though. We need him. The minute we learn we can't do it, that we need him, that's when we really start having success. And the sixth thing are the, is the praises here in verse number 8. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. Another little thought here. Prayer doesn't end when God answers it. We kind of leave it off like, oh, God answered my prayer. Woohoo! Move on. Oh, God, you answered that one. Here's another request. When God answers it, we respond by worshiping Him even more. It just increases. It gives us another reason to love Him, another reason to trust Him, another reason to praise Him because of what He's done. We need to respond in prayers of thanksgiving. I guess I was kind of talking about there, the praise. What? You ever give somebody a gift and you kind of sit back and wait, especially a big gift, like, Where, where's my thank you card? Expect my thank you card. Expect my Teach your little kids. They gave you a birthday present. Go give them a hug. Tell them thank you. And I, I'm, I'm bad about not always getting my thank you cards written, but sometimes somebody will do something for you and you're like, my goodness, I have to thank them. In some way, whether it's a thank you card or I, I take them out to dinner or something, but I have to do something to thank them for what they've done. We need to do the same way with God. We need to thank Him for what He does for us. When He responded, faithfulness. What he does for us, respond to faithfulness. Notice it says forever. I'm going to praise thy name forever. It's ongoing. And it says daily perform my vows. That's ongoing. I'm going to be faithful. And it says when he responds in actions, where he talks about vows, that because he's been good to us, he's done things for us, I should want to, my desire should be to respond to do something for him. When's the last time we thank God for an answered prayer? Sadly, I, I'm afraid, and I'm guilty of it too. Sometimes we, we, we don't even notice He answered them. <laughs> we, we think, I, I've, I've had God answer prayers, and I think back, oh, He answered that a month ago. I, I didn't even realize it. I wasn't even thinking. Or do we just expect God to be our little servant and just, just do it? I might have went somewhere, and I'm sorry. I hope I'm not stepping on any toes on this one. But uh, I... I personally speaking here I have little respect for people that mistreat like waitresses and waiters at the restaurant they're not your servant they're the people you can be respectful to them when the waiter comes by and fills up my, my, my glass my, 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 my unsweet tea there or whatever I think of every time so they shouldn't have to. They, they, that's their job I, I don't care I'm going to thank them they did something for me I, I want to thank them I want to stack up the plates. I want to make it easier on them. I, I, I want to. I want to try to make my job. I want to make. I want to be a blessing back then. They're being nice to me. I want to be a blessing. So, well, I tipped them. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that they're your slave. That's 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 a person that you have there. Let me tell you something. A lot of us, if we're not careful, will treat God like a slave in our prayers. God, do this. God, you better do this. But when's the last time we say, God, thank you for that. God, let me do something for you. Honestly, we're not careful. We, we pray like we're the boss. 
it says that he's the one in charge. Perhaps we should remember that the matchless God who created all things, sustains all things, who knows all that was and is and is to come, and even the possibilities in between, that He took the time to hear our prayer. He took the time to move. He took the time to do something that we asked. If that's not worthy of praises, I, I don't know what it is. I'm going to wrap up here. Y'all can go ahead and come in for the musicians. Real quickly, five quick things from this. Someone said on this on this psalm that there's four like I will statements that you can draw out of this. In verse 2, it says, I will cry. I ask, are you crying out to Him? Are you praying? In your, when in your need, do you run to yourself? Do you run to the bank? Do you run to friends? Do you run, or do you run to Him? Are you crying out to Him? Second, are you abiding in Him? Verse 4 says, I will abide. Are we living? Are we staying with Him? Or do we just pop by to visit every now and then when we need something? Some of those times you pick up the phone and say, oh, yep, I, that person only calls me when they need something. <laughs> I hope I'm not that way with God. I, I want to I be there, have that relationship, abiding in Him. Verse 4, it says also trusting. Are you trusting in Him? I will trust in Him. Is our faith in Him? Are we really truly trusting? In the fourth thing, in verse 7, it says, I will sing praise. Are you praising Him for all that He's done? That's what's due back to Him. For what He's done, and by the way, it's not just because He does stuff, it's because of who He is. And so I could praise Him all day for, for saving my soul. Yes, you can, but I can just praise Him because He is God. That's enough reason enough. Enough reason that He saved me. And it's enough reason that anything He does, gives me above and beyond that, that's a reason to praise Him. And last, I ask, are you safe on the rock of ages? We know the parable in the, that Christ told about the foundations. The man built his house on the rock and it stood firm. The man built his house on the sand. And the rain came down. The house on the sand went splash! You know, okay? But listen, there's a lot of great spiritual truth in that. And when we build our house, our lives, we found our soul on something. It doesn't need to be the sand, the shifting, unsettled things of this world. It doesn't need to be our works. It doesn't need to be our goodness. It doesn't need to be false hopes provided by some man-made religion. But we need to make sure we're founded on the rock of ages. And by the way, when the storms come, it stands strong because it's got the good foundation. Are you founded on the rock of ages this morning? Do you know Him as your Savior? Can't trust in anything else. Only in Him. Rock of ages, trust for me. Let me hide myself in you. That would just be the prayer that we would all come to know in our hearts. If you'll stand, please, we'll have a time of invitation. What number there, Owen? 120 in the Hemingway Highways. We'll sing along to the invitation hymn. Pray and have a time of invitation here. Heavenly Father, Lord. Been so challenged as I've been going through studying out this psalm, and Lord, I hope I've done it justice here this morning. But so many lessons about our prayer, so many lessons about our, our relationship with you, and Lord, it's very challenging to me a few of these points. The idea of making sure I'm praising and thanking you, the idea that I'm making sure that I'm giving back to you. What's, what's, what's 
essentially already yours. Lord, that I'm already planning that when things get hard, that I, I, I need to call on you and that you'll lift me up to that place of safety on the rock. So many wonderful truths here. Lord, I just pray that they've struck home on others' hearts as they have mine as, I, as I've been going through these things. In this morning, Lord, challenging me to thank you for the blessedness of your thankful for the relatability of your word. Lord, just thank you that these, these verses still so challenge our hearts. Lord, just drive these truths home uh, into our hearts, I pray, this morning. In this invitation time, in the holy name. Amen.